Cause you're only a man And a man's got to learn to take it Try to believe Though the going gets rough That you gotta hang tough to make it History repeats itself Try and you succeed Never die And welcome to Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. It is December 29th, only a couple more days of 2023. And we have a very special show today. We're not going to talk about one movie. No, we're not. We're going to do our end of year best and worst. Because on this show, we love, we love to take movies on Fear and Loathing in Cinema that were just shit on years ago, bring him back and say, hey, this is awesome. You know, Kirk Cameron uh, was standing here, but it's it's going to be a good time. We're going to go through the 2023 best and worst, and I feel like it's going to be a, a steel cage match of epic proportions. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by three lovely human beings here. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, in Denton, Texas, the the man who is always coming of age, Preston Barta. How are you? I'm doing good. I had a great holiday, um, some holiday festivities. My parent, thankfully, my parents loved me, so I didn't have to go hang out with Paul Giamatti. Although that would be fun. That would be fun. That would be fun. You get to know what eye to look in. I love it. Um, yeah. Also. Coming in from Austin, Texas. Oh my goodness! It is it is the man who he he's the law of cinema. Basically, he 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 determines what's guilty and not guilty in cinema with his gun, John Wick style. Dan Moran, how are you? I'm good. I have I solemnly swear to be respectful on of everyone's subjective opinion of the film as long as you can tell me why you didn't like it instead of screaming why it is the worst thing that's ever been made in the history of cinema amen movie god out we are, <laughs> we're going to talk about this i feel like it's a slight at me but we're going to get to that uh last but not least the the Florida chickadee herself, the the woman who has chicken brain going on an adventure in life, poor thing style. Chelsea Campbell, how are you? <laughs> uh, Chelsea, find happy. <laughs> Chelsea, want, find happy. Chelsea, find happy. Want to make happy all the time. 
Well, I'm so happy we're all here at the very end of 2023. Um, we are going to salt burn and we are all going to lose our minds here in a second. Oh my goodness, uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be crazy. Uh, we're gonna talk about our best and our worst things. First off, I want to know. I want to tell everybody that. Uh, I do another show with a colleague that we all know. Her name is Susan Kamyab Stevens. It's called No BS with Brian and Susan. And our last podcast of the year, um, we we talked about Golden Bachelor, and I made the revelation that I will not. We will not be discussing reality TV anymore on that show unless another Golden Bachelor uh, season is going to happen, because all the other Bachelor and Bachelorette shows. Um, and Bachelor in Paradise shows are just not good anymore. Um, but we, our blind watch was Ferrari. Uh, Susan and I watched it together and we both um, hated this movie. And Dan, uh, Dan here, Dan Moran listened to the podcast when it aired and he took notes on the podcast and he had some great feedback. So Dan, en enlighten me. What, what, what What's going on? I just love the fact that Susan checked you almost like how a mother would check a child in like the checkout line of a store. You were like having a meltdown, like this is the worst thing that's ever been made, the worst film I've ever seen. And she kind of talked you through it. And when you were able to explain why you didn't like it, she almost like changed her tone to you and was like, see, when you articulate the reasons why you don't like a movie, I agree with your points. It's just, you go too outlandish about yelling about how it's the worst thing ever. But when you explain why you don't like something, I completely understand and agree with you. And I just thought it was such a funny dynamic because on here, none of us check you. We're all just kids eating paste at daycare. And it was big, just- Big man have big feeling. Yeah, it was just it was just very refreshing to listen to her be like, and that was good, Brian. So show me on this chart where the movie hurts you. <laughs> I'm telling you, well, she has child now. Um, so I think I, I think the maternal instinct got inside and because okay, so it, when I can write out something, I feel like I'm pretty good at expressing myself uh fairly well um but i had not written putting pen to paper uh with ferrari yet it was like very fresh on the mind and so i just had to get it all out i was so upset and sometimes you know Preston knows me i'm not the silent type you know i, I you know i lean over to the movie and i'm just like god oh, damn this is a piece of shit <laughs> you have a laugh and uh although and no you didn't do it in Oppenheimer. I had to wait until the very end to get your opinion on that. I was focused. Yeah. <laughs> I was focused. We are, we are jumping the gun. Or no, we, we are. We are jumping the gun here. But no, I, I'm, I'm glad you're listening. And I'm glad you caught that. Because, I mean, I get riled up sometimes. And I got to, you know, somebody has to calm me down. And, you know, I get to let's say. But I'm glad. Uh, what I'm curious. Well, I guess we're, we're going to talk about Ferrari later. But... I'm glad you took notes on this. So you like no BS with Brian and Susan is what I, right, Dan? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't watch The Golden Bachelor, but all your movie talk, I enjoyed. All right. Well, well, thank you so much. Uh, but Fear and Loathing and Cinema here, this is uh, best and worst stuff. Uh, what What do you guys want to want to talk about first? You want to do best? You want to do worst? What, what's going on? 
feel like we're, uh, best needs to be last, and we we'll just do worst, the second look, and then best. Yeah, end on a positive note. Yeah, end it on end on a positive note. H I V positive. All right, let's go. Let's go to the negative stuff first. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just shook their head. Why? Okay. What? Yeah. I'll do my I'll do my three worst. Let's do the three worst. All right, Dan's coming in. Um, Dan's coming in. All right, I can't I'm... wait. I, so I have six worst movies on my list. Okay. And I feel like we can name, if you have more, you have more. We, this podcast, I mean, it's a special edition. So if you have worse, but let's go through them, Dan. All right, number one, Tetris. Whoa, I did not expect that. Hated that movie. I thought it was going to be interesting um and really fun and i it was neither and i was bored the whole time and i think there were really talented people behind it and i really love uh whatever his face is um yeah. Edgerton. Edgerton. and i just thought that he was woefully miscast and it's that's such an interesting story to me of how they got the rights and i just think the way that they did it and conveyed that story in the movie i thought was very disappointing and i did not like it at all so that is one of my worst of the year. Wait a second, wait a second. Before you go there, I, I got to look this up. Because no, I, I thought a lot of people liked Tetris. I think, I think, dude. I, I, mean, I didn't like it. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if I would put it on my absolute number one worst movie of the year, but I So think... it's got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people like this. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm willing. Every year there's one movie that I really don't like that people do. I call it the Silver Linings Playbook movie of the year <laughs> because I thought that movie was hot garbage. And when it was getting all those awards and everyone was talking about how good it was, I was like, you know, he killed her like a week later when he forgot to take his meds. Like so there was it's... no... There was no future in that movie. That movie was just terribly handled from beginning to end on mental illness. But anyway, <laughs> it's crazy, Dan, because uh, Tetris is a Matthew Vaughn movie. I Don't know. I like Matthew, Matthew Vaughn. Okay. I know. I know. This is just that it's a worst for me because everything going into it, I should have loved. And it hurt my feelings that I had to be like, this did nothing for me. So it made my worst list. Show number us on the doll where it touched you, Dan. Karen <laughs> touched me. Um, number two, worst of the year. Fast ten. Oh, uh, I mean, really? That movie lost its that that series as the number one defender. I believe I wrote an article for Boomstick called How I Learned to Stop Worrying, or what was it? Um Oh yes, I remember this. That Vin Diesel is the greatest thing ever. And what this has turned into is honestly, if you remember the South Park episode where they went to the Family Guy writer's room and it was manatees pushing balls into a thing for story <laughs> ideas. It yep. was, I just, Fast Five is a high watermark for action cinema. Like that race through Rio with the dragon, the safes behind them is such an incredible sequence. And then obviously the heart of the entire series dies during filming of Seven and with Paul Walker and just eight, nine and 10 have gotten progressively worse to where the end of this movie is Paul or not Paul Walker, Vin Diesel and his his trapped child in the Hoover Dam and Vin Diesel's driving down the Hoover Dam and you assume that they die and the screen kind of goes black until there's a mid credit scene that shows that the rock is going to come and rescue all of them. And I was just it has on a, it ends on love. a damn cliffhanger off of a cliff. 
So I just, I wish the story would get back to what it was, which was having fun. And now it's like trying to say things. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. And I'm just, it hurt my feelings. You're going to see 11. Don't, don't. Oh no, I'm going to see them all. That's, okay. that's not what we're doing. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. And final, final one. Um, I've, I've texted this in the private chat. Rebel Moon was all right. so bad. All right. Okay. So bad, Brian. Brian, okay. someone tweeted yesterday, before you say anything, someone tweeted yesterday, does anyone think that Zack Snyder watched Star Wars and then one of his kids put on a bug's life and so he just mad-libbed his way through the movie because it's literally about, you need to make the grain for us. And it's all farmers <laughs> like, we must band together against the grasshoppers who are making us grow all this grain for them. That's the movie. And they decide to rebel on a moon and it's bad. I disagree. I watched Rebel Moon and I liked it quite a bit. How did you not like this, Dan? Did you understand the movie? <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll turn the tables a little bit later with another film. I, I did. I did. Okay, so here's, in all honesty, there's certain Zack Snyder movies I like. Um, and it's not an anti-Zack Snyder thing, even though if I make this anti-Zack Snyder, maybe we'll get more hate listens. I'm, um, I'm anti-Zack Snyder. But Normally, he has a visual flair and does interesting things. At least you can be like, wow, that's a Zack Snyder thing. And in this, they gave him, what, $500 million? And they look like Windows 98 screensaver backgrounds. Like, whoever was doing this wasn't even trying this time around. Um, I think that people... I'm going to compare Michael Bay to Zack Snyder because when you watch a Michael Bay movie you know it's a Michael Bay movie immediately and when you watch a Zack Snyder movie you know it's a Zack Snyder movie immediately but I have to give Michael Bay credit for he always even if it's a ham-fisted poor attempt at least tries to get you to care about the characters like you're rooting for his characters you're rooting for his people and in Rebel Moon and a lot of Zack Snyder's movies these are caricatures these are just like hot girl short hair she's strong bad guy gold tooth he have cool weapon bad guy Ooh, it's just like i'm like okay we get it but there's no depth to any anything that happened in the entire movie it was so hollow to me um i didn't like it i thought it was um as you said on your podcast no bs uh why are these places giving these directors 200 million dollars to waste on movies when they can make better movies you said that about martin scorsese I'm going to turn the tables on you and say, why would Netflix give $350 million to Zack Snyder to make this sort of garbage? My how the turntables have yes. turned. <laughs> and I'll check that off my checklist. <laughs> You've got a checklist. I, I, I'm going to say I liked Rebel Moon quite a bit. I disagree with the visuals. I thought there was some his Zack Snydery visuals of the slow mo and you know in the background just chaos on screen with yeah. like the main character just looking out and it's slow mo. I mean that's Zack Snyder right it, there. It and just yes. also bugs me that we've con that we've convinced an entire fan with Zack Snyder's that they all deserve a director's cut now that's rated R and may show a nipple and some blood. And so now it turns out that Netflix gave him like in his contract that we're going to get the direct R rated director's cut, which is going to be 40 minutes longer 
of this Rebel Moon movie, like in March. And then part two of this movie of PG-13 is going to come out in April. And then late summer is going to be part two, the rated R version. I'm like, why don't hey, you just make why don't you make a good version of the movie to begin with? That's, that's just so more the, content for us. That's okay, yeah, that's marketing. And they started that with Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings when they would release the movie, release the two disc edition with like commentary, and then they released the four disc badass edition. Everybody Are you comparing Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings to Zack Snyder's anything? Well, like, in Rebel Moon, there is a Shelob fight. A spider fight that is very reminiscent well, of Lord of the Rings. It's it's Lord of the Rings well, quite a well, bit. Well, Zack Snyder had zero original ideas in that entire. No, I was gonna say he that. took Star Wars. He took well, and a few other he, movies. He did. He apparently, from what I've read, this was his pitch to Lucasfilm, and they went in a different direction, and that's why he made this movie. He just changed up the script. Right, he did. His, treat, it, his treatment was for a Star Wars movie. Yes, and so when I was watching it. I said to myself, so there's Star Wars, there's Star Trek, there's Lord of the Rings, there's all these sci-fi movies he's drawing from. It's all the same thing. It's just Zack Snyder doing it. I enjoyed it. It's got aliens and monsters and fight scenes. I will say this is a very, there's a much brutal Star Wars version. Like there's very heavy violence. But almost no, um, no exposition. There's, yeah. Just because I have my frames. Oh, man, how's this going to work? From the Lord of the Rings, all three of the frames from when I saw all three movies in a row, the extended versions a couple years ago. And it has the film celluloid in it. I have to defend my boy Peter Jackson for a sec. You realize that he made like four and a half hour movies that he had to trim for a theatrical release. Yeah. Snyder's literally are. And he was like. Hey, Warner Brothers, will you allow me to re release these ones that we edited down to release into theaters? And they were like, sure. Zack Snyder's like, I'm going to cut out major plot points in order to get a PG-13 release out there. And then knowing that I'm going to get an R-rated one. It's just, I don't know. It's a weird thing. But we spent too much time on Rebel Moon. I liked Rebel Moon. Did anybody else see Rebel Moon? No, but now I will watch it. And then give you the final verdict. Yes. There, there he is, uh, Chelsea. I mean, as somebody who's seen Star Wars once over there, do you want to see Rebel Moon? Don't make that fucking joke to me. <laughs> I got Star Wars posters all over this house. Um, I would only consume Rebel Moon if it, if it, uh, if we were to talk about it on this well, podcast. There's a, there's a March episode. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a March episode. No, I, I, I'm curious what Preston has to think because. Dan hated it, like very much hated it. I I liked it. It is, I'm going into it. I'm like, okay, it's it's Zack Snyder. It's Star Wars. It's all these sci-fi movies thrown into one. I had fun with it. Uh, yeah, I, and it was gory. It was super violent. And I liked some of the characters. But again, you know, just like the Justice League, I think the longer cut is going to be better. I'll so hold that. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, good, Dan. So Tetris, Fast X, and Rebel Moon. Man, Rebel Moon came in late for you, and you were like, fuck every other movie. This movie's the worst. I also, yeah. <laughs> I also I also factor in uh, expectations in my worst stuff. Okay. Just because, I mean, there's movies that I know are way worse than this, but it's like I never expected those movies to be remotely entertaining. 
Like okay. I knew they were worse before they even came out. Okay. All right. All right. Who's up? Who's up? All right. Um, who wants What's to go that? next? Chelsea or Preston? I'll go. Preston! Worst. Yes, I'll start with number three and work my way down to one. Um, so number three is uh, Robert Rodriguez's Hypnotic. I saw oh. that at South by Southwest, and I uh, I walked out of it. I watched maybe about 20, 25 minutes of it, and it was, it was one that I was really looking forward to just because right after – Robert Rodriguez's work with Star Wars, with the Star Wars universe, like Mandalorian and Boba Fett, I wanted him to do something that was not, you know, cut from a kid's cloth. Like I didn't want another Spy Kids movie. I didn't want any of that as, as you know, mildly entertaining as those films can be. I wanted him to, you know, function within a world that was blending a lot of the, his his strengths as a storyteller. Like I. I like Alita Battle, Battle Angel and things like that. And so I wanted him to do that, um, especially with Ben Affleck after the role that he's been on. So this was exciting. And um, it was just not a, kind of the same way that Dan was talking about with Rebel Moon and like how it just feels like a collection of things that have been better achieved in other films. And that's how that felt to me. Like when I was watching it, it just felt pretty uninspired, even though it was inspired by something like Inception, um, Heat, uh, even though, you know, Inception was inspired by Heat. So there's just like a lot of things like that. It's dealing with uh, like these otherworldly type of things while being kind of this, uh, on the run kind of film and um i don't know like I, I i don't i didn't care about it pretty much immediately it reminded me of a, a movie called black hat which i also walked out of and i walked out of it at the same point in the story that i walked out in black hat which was if i'm watching this and it's trying to make me care about these characters and they barely got to know each other and they're already engaging in sex, I'm going to walk out. And so they did it. And I walked out. So what? you yeah. walked out. So you didn't see this whole movie. No, I, it, it was probably, it might've been a little more than 25 minutes, maybe 40 or something like that. So I, I saw a good chunk of it. Um, so I guess anybody can go through that movie and clock when they have sex. And I walked out of it at that point. I'm That's support, crazy. I'm you walk Preston. out on the sex part? That's the part you're supposed to watch. <laughs> I'm gonna... No, man. I, I'm there to watch. I, I, I'm somebody who reads the articles in porn magazines, Brian. So <laughs> This is insane to me. I'm going to support Preston and say that you didn't miss much for the rest oh, of that movie. It did is, you watch it? it? Was, yeah. It was, it's, on, it's been on Hulu for like months. It's got a big Ben Affleck like screen. I was like, oh, I'll check it out. It's not good. It is not a good movie. Well, sad. Okay. No. I mean, I'm in it for the sex. That has got to be at least three stars. <laughs> hey, wait, how many stars is Oppenheimer? Because uh, it has some sex in it. But, <laughs> there is a sex uh, scene in that too. <laughs> there are some graphic sex scenes in Oppenheimer. <laughs> Seen graphic. All right. All right. Yeah. So that's that's number one. I didn't see it. That, so. That's number three. That's number three. Uh, 
All right. Number two, I had the privilege of watching with Brian. And this technically, I don't think this movie's out yet. It was a movie that we saw at Fantastic Fest. And we tried to stick through it. I mean, we did, or at least I did. I know you had a, to, to jet in the last 10 minutes or so. <laughs> but it was one that I was super excited about at Fantastic Fest. And it was just one of the hardest movies to get through, um, you know, watching paint dry on the wall, things like that. Um, I, I told Brian at some point in the movie that I was like, this is literally watching somebody just be bored the entire time. And that movie's uh, <laughs> Rage. Um, Anything but Rage in that movie. Yeah, yeah. So it was cool, like a very cool story um, that was very thin and didn't have a lot going on in it. Um, like the concept of like this, you know, this coming of age story of a father and son uh, relocating themselves after the their the mother has passed away and they're going to live in his uh, brother's house who also passed away uh, a little bit uh, before the mother, I believe. Um, anyway, they go to this uh, gated in community and it seems we don't know too much about the world outside. It just seems like this community, it's, it's a bit run down, but it's at least protected. Um, or caged in, I guess you could say. Um, and the, the idea is that one of them is a werewolf and they're kind of going through it. So think like let the right one in type of thing. But um, we don't really get to see the rage at no. all. They, well, um, before before this movie, they said this is a werewolf movie, and yeah, you'll then find Chris out. And I are sitting there, minutes. yeah, we're watching this like little kid in an apartment by himself, trying to figure out how not to be bored for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's like he's like sifting through his uncle's stuff and getting to know them, and, and I've seen movies do that sort of thing before, and it can be very effective and emotional just because you know anybody who didn't really get to you know grow up knowing someone it's neat to kind of go through their stuff and learn who they are but he's like walking around on rooftops just kind of looking around observing things but there's just not a lot of intrigue there it really is just like you know flicking your thumbs that sort of thing it was just very extremely boring and it didn't have enough uh, or any moments of rage where we get to see a werewolf we never get to see the werewolf at all and it's extremely disappointing and so i was yeah like i said i was really looking forward to it and it just was a terrible movie yeah it was i remember it <laughs> yeah so that was number two number one is the little mermaid i did not like that film at yes. all and uh Brian the and little I mermaid I, I, it's kind of sad that Brian and I actually didn't get to see this together because we have a we have a history together of watching these Disney remakes and just being like, all right, buddy, here's another one. And so <laughs> uh, we didn't get to do that this time. I didn't see it until a couple of months or at least when it hit Disney Plus. And um, it was pretty painful. I think there's some intrigue a little bit in the first few mi minutes of it when it does like the shipwreck. But beyond that, it just does not. It's so dull. There's nothing to it. And I it was just a damn chore to get through. And um, yeah, so 
I, I really hated that film. I think that one might be the worst uh, Disney remake to me, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, that's number one for sure. Fuck the Little Mermaid with a big rubber dick. Oh, my God. I've been saying it for so long. These live action <laughs> Disney remakes are so terrible and lifeless and joyless. I mean, Cruella is amazing, but that's not a remake. The this it's so bad, and I don't understand. Yeah, thank you, Stay Preston, tuned. for saying. Stay it. tuned for Mufasa, summer twenty twenty four. God, give me a break. Um, good, good job, Preston. Good job. <laughs> I like it. Little I, I, I see some. I I suffer every now and then. You know. Yeah. I, yes, you do. Should I go first and Chelsea go last? Sure. All right. I'll go. Can it can I just can I just name my six or does it just do three? You got six. I got six worse. You got six? Just, just yeah. Just list them. If, fire. We, if we want to jump in, we can jump in. Yeah. All right. So coming in at number six is Wonka. Okay. Um, just a terrible movie that they build as the prequel to chocolate factory fuck off um it's not <laughs> i haven't seen it yet but i'm gonna watch it and it's, I'll, it's, I'll, I'll give you a verdict there too very bad um coming in at number five is the color purple this movie had the first five minutes of this movie i was so in it was big budget stage musical and then it's just like rape and torture and abuse and then add fun musical to it didn't make sense and it's two and a half hours long and you cannot remake a spielberg movie and just i can't do it um and make it a musical um not good i didn't like color purple at all uh coming in at number four is the nun two um god damn this movie i mean the first one sucked i don't understand how they took the character of the nun and the conjuring that was the best part of that movie and then made it so terrible in two it made two movies the nun two is just horrible except for one scene that preston and i enjoyed um that's why it's at number four yeah. They, they need somebody like uh, of Taika Waititi caliber, like just somebody to really shake it up, like in Thor. Like the first two Thors are uh, the first one's OK. Second one's terrible. And then so they need somebody to go in there and just kind of give the, the nun her due. Nun Ragnarok. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, just it's just not I was so let down. because I really want these movies to be good and they're just very lazy. Um, number three. Um, might surprise you. Number three worst movie of the year. It's a little movie called Oppenheimer. Number three worst movie of the year. This movie. Okay, so everybody remembers we've talked about Oppenheimer. I wrote a review. It went viral because I hated it. Um, I, I watched it again in full. I watched it on this glorious 4K and I still have the same gripes that I did. I went back, I went back and read my review. I was like, hey, I I agree. I agree with what I said. I stand <laughs> by it. This guy knows what he's talking about. It's not a good movie. I don't see how. Huh? <laughs> High five to me. <laughs> Pat on the back. I'm just curious how what y'all saw in this movie that I I mean. Granted, I'm in the minority here. So many people love this movie. I don't get it. I don't know if are we are we doing this now? Yeah, yeah. man. 
I guess it's so. gonna be an hour. <laughs> it's I mean it's it's in my top five of the year. I'm yeah. sorry. It's I went to watch parts of it to get ready for this podcast, and I was like, I'll just I have I saw it twice in the theaters. Let me Ooh. watch a few parts of it, and I got sucked in. I watched the entire thing start to finish again. It is without a doubt the worst movie. No, you already said it was third worst, so you're already <laughs> lying to yourself. It's I cannot explain it to you other than to say Christopher Nolan has finally crystallized his weird time hop jumbling where everything needs to weave together in such a beautiful way that I loved every single moment of this movie other than the fact that I will here I'll agree with you since we're in the worst section I think the Emily Blunt love we all know Christopher Nolan is really poor at writing female characters other than her one scene she gets in that little courtroom scene which is incredible I think she is completely underutilized in this movie. I think there was far, probably so much more they could have mined out of her character to make it more interesting and more even keeled. Somehow, David. That's true, man. The very end, the look that she gives. Yeah, it's true. Safdie. Yeah. But crump. But like they give the the woman part. I know this sounds super sexist, but that's the way movies are. Crumholtz gets the essentially the female support character, and I've seen that written other places. So, but he gets the female support character role throughout this movie, always making sure he's eating, always being a sounding board for him, always kind of checking him. Yeah, I should have wrote him out, honestly. Yeah, so I think the the one thing, the one thing that I'll agree with you on is they underserve Emily Blunt in in this movie. If you want to talk about bad things about Oppenheimer. But other than that, I think it's a masterpiece. It, but it's not, though. It's not. A, when you say masterpiece, let's not hyperbolize this movie. I'm, a masterpiece is like Inception or this yeah, movie's better than or Inception. Dark Knight. If we're talking about not not Oppenheimer. See, and a masterpiece else? to me, like a Nolan masterpiece to me would be Interstellar or The Prestige. Right. Prestige. I would ag- I would agree with that too. Oh, not Interstellar really, but it, Prestige for sure. I do like Interstellar. Uh I agree I agree with Dan. I think um I I've talked about it either, either on this podcast or the other one that we do Brian and and I I think exactly what Dan said about his exploration of time. It's so cons- both him and Richard Linklater like explore time in different ways. Linklater likes to allow scenes to sit. And I will say it took me a minute to adjust to the, the I guess the frequency dial or just the, the, the levels that he is firing his narrative on in, uh, in Oppenheimer because the, the first few minutes, it's it's going fast and the whole movie's just going fast. And so at, a, at one point I was having a conversation in my head, like, is this whole movie going to be a three hour long trailer? But it took it, it then it took finding the, the poetry in it that Dan already spoke to, like the way that it just weaves time together. I've I've uh, previously referenced movies and books like Slaughterhouse-Five that deal with memory in such a way where 
one moment in time can inform another. And, and, and I think that's kind of how our brains work sometimes. Um, and I found that to be uh, exciting and very thoughtful and meaningful to me that it captured so much and just, or just had all these little moments and made it feel so grand Um, so each time I watch it, I feel like I recognize more of the genius in it. And I just don't think there's any way that any of us or anyone could convince Brian. It's just not made for you. I, I don't, that, that, that's just what it is. Um, uh, may, maybe your head wasn't screwed on tight enough. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it is what it is. And I, I, I would also say that it's a masterpiece it is not in my top five because my 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 five's pretty crowded uh but it is in my top 10 um and i think it is i don't know if i would call it christopher nolan's best but i think it's probably his filmmaking best uh for me at least um i i don't i when i watch the dark knight more it, it's getting like worse for me I, I think besides like Heath Ledger, I think there's a lot of things about it that just drive me nuts. I still enjoy it for entertainment purposes, but it drives me nuts. Um, something like, you know, Interstellar and Prestige and Inception, things like that. Even Dunkirk. I think watching Dunkirk, I when I watch it more and more, uh, I I recognize more of the genius in it. So I, I don't know. Uh, it, he just has that effect on me where it's very thoughtful. He like I have to engage with it like there's. It's such, it's, I have to participate and I, I appreciate that, that he can make movies of that scale and that much, and have that much meaning behind it. Um, so There's I, no I, meaning I behind Oppenheimer. <laughs> I didn't get it. I, 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 Did I, you I will, understand it? I know. I yeah. was going to about to backtrack. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get what Preston is saying when there's oh. so much meaning behind this movie. There's not. It is literally people talking about making a bomb and then people playing who's the communist in the room the whole movie for all three hours. Yeah, and, but with, with with those sit downs, like I like process movies. Like I love getting into their thought process of like these minds that are more brilliant than my own. And so to kind of get like, there's just these people that feel like they were born for this, that they were born to do these brilliant things and, And just the concept of somebody who created something that is so beyond comprehension and it just created world chaos, essentially. Like the whole concept at the end or the whole idea of, of creating something that can just destroy the world, like all of that. And then at the end of the day, you, you have to be proud of your achievement, even though it just destroyed so many lives and you get your, your, you know, your salmon and potato salad at the right. end. Well, so, well, there's, I mean, we don't see any of that though. We just see Oppenheimer. I don't think we cell. needed to. I don't I, think we need, uh, th th there's been arguments online that it would like, we need to see the Japanese perspective, but I think you can get, you can grasp that from that single scene when he's delivering that speech and then you see the ash of the people like you, that that's all I needed to know because I've seen enough documentaries and, and stories that have delved into that, but it just would have felt like an add on, like yeah. an unnecessary add on to me to get that perspective. Um, and you wouldn't have done it justice. 
Yeah, it would. Hey, it'd be really cool if you did something like Clint Eastwood and did, you know, uh, Flags of Our Fathers and Letters of Iwo Jima and get the other side of it. But that that wasn't what he was trying to achieve. Um, but I don't know. He could change his mind, and do something like that. But it it for what it for what it is in the perspective, I think he captured the totality of it with uh, limited means, I guess. I just I, I disagree with that. I just think that we just followed Oppenheimer and he I, the best part of the movie. And I think the, mo the most brilliant part of the movie was the small sequence with Gary Oldman when he goes in. Oppenheimer goes into Harry Truman and Harry Truman's like, get this crybaby out of my office. <laughs> it's like that's that's the movie right there. Like, this is what we're watching. I did not. It's just, that's that is the, literally the best part of the movie. You're rooting for the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rooting for the, it's not a crime if the president does it. Like, uh, um, and then yeah. after, like, you're. I mean, I, and I will say this: the watching it a second time, and I think I put this in my original review. Um, what's his name? The director. Oh my god, Christopher Nolan. He has an uncanny and brilliant ability to build suspense. And in a movie like Oppenheimer, when you're just having conversations and trying to get something done with conversations in this very big jar, like nuclear uh, physicist jargon, he really amps up the suspense in, the, in these scenes. Like, you know, and say what you will, Dan. Oppenheimer is like Rebel Moon. Like they go Stop out and they, as they assemble a team of scientists to build a bomb, just like in Rebel Moon. And I haven't heard Chelsea's review of Oppenheimer. She's been saving it. Chelsea, <laughs> please jump in here. Tag team. No, no, no. Just let it just let him just let him hang himself. <laughs> <laughs> you go to hell, sir. Yeah, you go to hell. <laughs> the, the one um, that I like, Brian, this happened. Yeah, it did happen. Okay. I'm, okay. Just, I'm just making sure you know that, that like Oppen this is a true story. Like they real we really got a bunch of scientists together and put yeah. them in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico and built a world destroying bomb to stop World War II. And then those scientists who were like, wow, theory is fun. We could do all this stuff. They had to grapple with the devastation of their creation for the rest of their lives. And all these polit politicians and power-hungry uh, political leaders and war hawks and everything were like, we can do whatever we want to kill everyone. And they and he realized he opened the door to world annihilation. And he had to live with that because in his mind in the beginning, he's like, theory is fun. And once he did it, he realized that how dangerous. Right. He was do we need three hours to say, do we need three hours to explain it though? And I will say to Preston, to disagree with Preston that this is the best, um, like the a masterpiece, or y'all said it's a masterpiece. This is the ugliest movie. Like you, you think of Christopher Nolan movies, you think of images that you want to frame and put on your wall, big size. There's not one thing in this movie. Why was this made for IMAX? Why was this made in dumb 70 millimeter? Rebel Moon deserves to be on IMAX and 70 millimeter. Not Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is people in small rooms. Yeah, can we mute him? Chelsea. I've never heard Chelsea's opinion on this movie. I'm excited. Tell him why the visuals are great and why it was in IMAX. No, 
I okay. I'm not I'm not gonna argue, I'm not gonna argue with Brian because he's just it's like arguing with a brick wall kind of thing about this. It and you know what? I'm not gonna be a J Joe Russo and say you can't, you know, you can't dislike things or like things. Uh I did think that this was a masterpiece. It's not my favorite Nolan film, but just like hearing Dan and Preston talk about it, it gives texture to things that he tried and failed to do in Tenet with time um, and Inception. I, I love Inception. Um, just even like a, a memento. But all these movies where he's obsessed with time and just kind of going, going about it, I feel like this is probably his his best movie, his Most best book forward about time. It gives he's perfected the texture of it. He's perfected how it looks, how it feels, and I I'm very much like okay, you can you can do that. Yeah. I'm yeah, very yeah. yeah. I'm just very much like Preston where I like to see how things come together. And even with Dan's point saying, you know this really happened, right? <laughs> Is this a true story, Chelsea? Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. And I'm going to disagree with you on the times shit. I the, the, Dun Dunkirk the, walked. So Dunkirk is the better time movie. If you're talking oh. about time specifically with Christopher Nolan in his movies, Dunkirk is the ultimate explanation of that. Dunkirk, Dunkirk feels... walked. I... So this could run. No, yes. Dunkirk is did... the better film in time because you're telling three different stories one within an hour, one within like a couple days, and one within like a week or two. And how, how he no edited that with time. Tenet, huh? <laughs> I love how no one's like, no, Tenet was great, though. I think I, I like think some parts of Tenet. Tenet yeah. was good action wise. But other than that, that is Christopher Nolan at his own speed without explaining or having a character to kind of like um, Ellen Page in inception where she kind of explains to everybody in the audience like oh this is what we're doing that was not in tenant tenant had good action sequences and i think the best part of tenant besides the action sequences and robert pattison was the theories about like people pooping and it coming back into them uh like in reverse like that was what i got out of tenant that's amazing. No, it's not the big South Park episode. it is <laughs> i think i think just to keep the pod going Brian, we respectfully disagree with your opinion about this one, and you will be wrong. Yeah. And and, and I, the punctuation on this, because I, I just don't want you to get away with saying that this movie did not deserve to be on IMAX, is that the movie so much is internal, like it's about getting inside the head of the characters. And for somebody like Oppenheimer, everything flows out through his equations and his math and how he talks about science and his love for everything that he's doing to create this, um, you know, big moment in history. Um, and to see that fear, that devastation, that guilt so tightly in the way that uh, Hoytema uh captures it is just really 
it, it has an impact on me. Like I can just kind of feel it within my soul. And so that, that was just for me. Um, there are some really brilliant, again, I'm just going to keep saying to me because I know Brian's just shaking his head and wagging his finger at me, uh, through all this, but seeing all those, like, uh, you know, those visuals, like these avant-garde, like the way that they, you know, experiment with light and they do, do it all practically. It's just like, it's something to be studied. And um, the mu the music, we didn't say anything about the oh, score of this movie. Not it's best score. it's Easy. my personal favorite score of the year. Um, the, it, it's just achieving things on a level that I can't even comprehend um, <laughs> across the board. So for me, I, there we go. I, Why are you right. laughing? And also, so we can all get on the same page and move on with our happy family here. Let's yeah. just all agree this movie would have maybe been better. Would have maybe been better. If they found a role for Tom Hardy in it, <laughs> he's probably bomb, in dude. the movie. He played the bomb going he off. The bomb. He played the bomb. Yeah. I'm about to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was number three, y'all. All right. Number two is Ferrari. Um, Michael Mann's uh, newest film with Adam Driver about Ferraris crashing. And, ooh, boy, this movie is boring as fuck. And there's two crashes in the movie, which was made by, like, somebody's 10-year-old nephew in a basement. It's laughable, man. Holy shit. I mean, I couldn't wait till the next crash and somebody died. It's... I, I mean, hope Adam Driver hears this and says, fuck you. I'm telling you, that guy is so justified asking that question. Holy shit. I mean, he shouldn't have asked it to Adam Driver, but because um, Adam Driver is just the actor. But, oh, that guy was justified for that question. Holy shit. Have y'all seen the movie? No, I haven't seen it. OK, am I am I going to be the one? Dan, yeah, are you, did you see the movie? Okay. I mean, if you've seen it, go go ahead. Okay. He's out in the theater. It is a yeah. It is a three second scene where the Ferrari blows its tire and hits like a telephone pole. That just looks terribly fake, terribly fake. And then it goes and does what it needs to do for the like the narrative of the story or whatnot. When it starts landing, it's a big climactic part of the movie. So I don't want to like ruin it for Preston and Chelsea if you haven't seen it. But yes, it looks terrible. You can see it in the trailer. That scene. That's three seconds of, in my opinion, a incredibly detailed and inner movie about the complicated man struggling to find purpose and an heir and a future for his company and all those sorts of things. Now, granted, I love Michael Mann, so I was already predisposed to like this, but I do not think it is one of the worst movies of the year because Adam Driver is very no he's so good in this movie he's so it's everybody man. doing really terrible italian he's accents so well yeah penelope cruz penelope cruz should be nominated for best supporting actress oh, yes. she was incredible no she was so good in the best movie. part of the movie she was absolutely the only part of the movie for me other than that three second cgi crash which i'm gonna forgive because i watched fucking rebel moon um is is uh Cheyenne Woodley playing like an Italian mistress or what? Ooh, she's so terrible. Terribly miscast. Oh like, just, god, terrible miscasting. But as far as like Brian, 
in the beginning when Maserati is going to try to break Ferrari's track record and they're in all the all the Ferrari factory workers and Ferrari himself and all those people are in mass in the morning and they're listening to the guy go, Jesus was a carpenter. He worked with wood. But I think if he was born into today world, he would work with metal and like telling all of, he walked away. I won. I won. Um, but he he's won. telling him all those things. And then they hear the starter pistol from the track and every single guy, including Ferrari in mass, even the priest or the guy behind the priest pulls out a stopwatch to click to wait for the next gunshot to find out if Maserati actually thinks. I just thought it was, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was a good movie. It's not in my top 10. I just, it is not in my bottom 10 by any stretch of the imagination. And it's to help press that out. It's a hundred times better than Black Hat. I'm sorry you liked what about it. about Public Enemies? Better than Public Enemies. Okay, good. No, it's not. This this movie is worse than Public Enemies. This movie, uh -huh. there, nothing happens. Everybody you know is doing their worst. There's a scene straight out of a marriage story. Uh, the big fight scene between Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. That scene is the exact same scene in Ferrari between Preston, Adam Driver. It's about a complicated man struggling with finding an heir and a future for his company that he sweat, died, lost friends to build up to the top. I think it's, part of it. I think so part it, of it like. to, to contrast that the movie is about Adam driver only cares about his cars more than people in life. So uh, the movie is about toxic masculinity. Correct. Okay. It's hey, it's, I, that's, I, all, that's all I need to know. I enjoy explorations like that. There's an Evil Knievel documentary about Michael that, Mann. where he puts so much focus into his work that he totally just disregarded his family and then realizes that way too late. And yeah. so I enjoy those kinds of stories of complicated human beings. And I will say this, if, if Dan listened to No BS with Brian and Susan, there's a sex scene in this movie. And I'm just the sex scene's about to happen. I was like, oh, hey, here we go. This might get good. And then all of a sudden, it's a naked dude. And then a chick that's dressed like an auto mechanic doesn't take off the clothes at all, but they have sex. I don't get it. I'm just like, what are we doing here? Okay, wait, wait. Back up, back up. Is every sex scene made for Brian Kluger's male gaze? It should be. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, I thought, it was, I thought it was a good portrait of a complicated figure that I want to now I want to read a book about because I like the way this is doing a biopic and being like here's these four months in the summer of 1957 of the things he needs to do to save his company keep things going and figure out the stuff going on with his family after losing his son the year before I like that rather than trying to do a sprawling thing just focus it on a big old moment in this guy's life and try to cram the stuff in there I I I don't think Chelsea and Preston, I don't want to speak for them. I don't know if they'll love it, but I don't think that they're going to hate it and say it's the worst movie ever. So I'll, when you guys see it, we got to circle back. Yeah, just watch the, the 60, just moment. watch the 60 seconds of the crashes. It's all and laugh. <laughs> you, can't hold, you can't hold one bad CGI moment against the movie. Otherwise, we're going to, we'll never love anything again. It, <laughs> oh, man, it, it's such a, oh God. All right. So moving all right, so. on. All right, number number one. My number one worst movie of the Fucking year, The Exorcist Believer. Okay, agree. That okay. movie is so terrible. I can't believe I 
I, I'm so upset at this movie that I think David Gordon Green should not be allowed to make a movie for at least five years in punishment. Then but he has to go back to... Susan's talking about. You get so mad at things that you go scorched earth. I'm telling you, he fucked up Halloween. He fucked this up. He needs to go back to film school or take classes. Like, And what he did with this is just beyond... Or watch his earlier films. Yeah. I mean, Pineapple Express is great. Or Snow well, Angels. Uh, Joe yeah. is great. Um, but this movie is just a travesty on every level. Did Preston, did you watch this with me? Yeah, we sat together. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. This movie. But you you hate I don't think I would put the because to me the first half of it is better and more interesting than the second half. I think the second half is where it completely gum, comes undone and it pisses me off. But at least in the first half, I was like, um, there's there, there's some intrigue here. Like I was invested in it to a certain point, but then because it, it, it was beginning to feel like something like Exorcist three to me, which doesn't hardly deals with any exorcism whatsoever. And it, it was trying to achieve something new. And then, you know, at a certain point, but I knew it was eventually going to try to wrap back around to uh, some of the themes and some of the visuals that are in the second, in, in the first one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of moments in there that just really pissed me off. Like certain lines that they, they do that in some Star Wars movies, like, or like um, things that were just like, like, for instance, like the thing that they shield over their face when they're like trying to, you know, train with their lightsabers. Like it becomes like a thing that, oh, that's just how they do things. To me, in the first Star Wars movie, that was just a thing on the ship that they just utilized in the moment. And this movie kind of does stuff like that, where it brings certain lines back around and uh, bring in uh, Ellen Burstein, Bernstein in it. And uh, I don't think she should have been in it at all. Um, I so I, I I I think there, I totally out of all the movies that you've mentioned, this is the one where I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, didn't like it. All right, so those are my six worst movies. Uh, they are the worst movies of the year. But Chelsea, please, can't so wait I, to hear what your worst movies are. Um, mine are just three, and I feel like they're quick. Okay. Like they're quick or they're pretty painless. Um, so three may be the most controversial of all of them. Just, um, but my third worst was Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> A billion dollar movie. It was very stale. It was very bright and colorful. But um, apart from Jack Black singing Peaches, I just, it was just a nostalgia bomb, but not a good one. Yeah, I, I respect it. Uh, yeah. I just, hey, it entertained my child. And that's the only thing that I, the value that I saw in it. No, yeah. that's, and I love that. Completely selfishly, I got my kids to like, they got uh, Super Mario Wonder for their Nintendo Switch. And they like think Mario is cool now. So it's a no, cheat see, code. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I love that it's, movie. it's not yeah, it, that it's a segue to actual like Mario games and stuff. I love that. But it just didn't, um, didn't resonate with me. Um, num number two was Dogman. I saw this at Fantastic Fest. Yeah, I remember you um, talking about it. Luke Basson made a dog joker and not a good one. Um, I don't know if this is ever going to get distribution or if it did, it's some the, tiny... Somebody bought it, I think, overseas or something. Yeah, it got picked up by something. 
are you biased on Dogman or do you just not like Luke Besson? Both are bad. Okay. Besides Fifth Element. Besides Fifth Element, yes. And Leon the Professional. Yeah, I, I mentioned it. it. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I would just rather have not seen this. I would rather have that those few hours of my life back. Was that a secret screening? Yes, it was. Oh, so you didn't know. So if you if it was on the list, you wouldn't have chosen to see it. No, I wouldn't. Okay. Um, the actual dogs that they trained for this were the best part. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Caleb Landry jo- Landry Jones does a very good job. It's just not enough to not make this dog Joker. So for that reason, I'm out. All right. For that reason, I'm out. Look at this shark tank over here. Yeah. <laughs> and number one was The Flash. What? Okay. This is your most controversial take. This is your most controversial take. It's not. Why did you not? Okay. I... Okay. Tell me. It looks terrible. Have you not? It... I, I agree. It looks like it's. it was uh, a PS3 three graphics <laughs> I, just, I agree i i couldn't get into this story i i just it was just like a bloated mess of nothing i okay so it is a bloated mess i think the worst part of that movie is the last it's last like 15 20 minutes uh of them trying to get all of the universes in i will say the one saving grace of this movie is Michael Keaton. What they did with him in the action sequences with him, I think it's worth watching. I think I gave the movie like a two and a half or three out of five stars. Uh, And I will, it is a bad movie, but that Michael Keaton stuff, I think saves it because it's kind of what at least I've wanted in a Michael Keaton Batman coming back to it. Um, But yeah, I would agree with you on every other level. I don't know if that's I, I'm probably the one that enjoyed that movie the most. Like I laughed and had a good time with it, knowing that it was going to be. It's also the best Ben Affleck Batman. I would Agreed. say. I hate Ben um, Affleck if, as if, Batman. If, if, oh, if I he, love him. If he would have had like more moments like that scattered across all the Batman movies he's done with uh, he who must not be named, um, <laughs> it, it would have been much better. But yeah. um, there. I will say, and I, I know some other people have pointed this out with uh, like daytime Batman is a weird thing. Like it's just, I I like what Tim Burton did with like gothic Batman and always being the shadows. And then when you kind of put that in daylight, his his suit, it just looks very silly to me. And But some of those movements, even though we never, it's kind of like watching, again, I guess we're just going to bring up Star Wars all across this. But when you like, watch you know darth vader fight in a certain way and then you get to the other ones and he's doing all these like crazy shit that you've never seen before in your life which is really cool but at the same time you're like ah, it's not kind of connecting a bridge there that seems it takes the emotion out of it it's more of like a physical combat than actually emotionally fighting yeah it's more for like 13 year olds and and so i that's what happened to me when i was watching it i kind of just digressed to uh, my 13 year old self okay all right. Dan, did you like The Flash? No. <laughs> Nothing I mean, else to say? No, he's, he's done with the worst. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I agree with everything y'all said. The action scenes look like PS4 cutscenes, and so, and unfortunately, PS3. Oh, PS3. Unfortunately, <laughs> they weren't. The, they weren't as good as four. Four. And I also okay. think it had the unfortunate duty of pretty much closing out and ending the DC, the whatever the DC universe on film. I know Aquaman came out a few weeks ago, but this was really the end of all the weirdness and trying to fix things. And I just think it was a mess top to bottom because it's... they didn't know what to do with it. It'd been in production through three different ownerships of WB. Yeah. So it's like it was bound to be a disaster. So I agree. No, I thought it was going to be terrible with that first scene with the babies falling out of the building, which looked like PS graphics. Yeah. It was just crazy. It's so bad. And Chelsea, Ferrari CGI is better than some scenes of the flash. So Chelsea, this is your number one worst movie. Did you knew so you did not like the Michael Keaton stuff at all? I'll give the Michael Keaton stuff a pass, but it doesn't make up for everything else. Okay. All right. For, for me. For you. Honestly, no. honestly it felt it was nice to see him, but it felt to me like when there's an old retired baseball player like confined to a wheelchair and they wheel him out to do the first pitch. And they bring him, <laughs> they bring him two feet from the thing and he throws it right into the dirt. It was like just he could go, I'm Batman. Then everything else is CGI, like all of his fighting. And so it's just like what well, like we could have used him on some. I would have loved to see what happened with him if in the Batgirl movie. I would have loved to see if they actually did a movie about um like Nightwing or something, where mm -hmm. he would be like uh like put him in a movie where you can use his gravitas and yeah. everything we love about Michael Keaton instead of being like, there's his gravitas, but then we're gonna have him CGI doing like triple flips over stuff. You know, it was it was weird. It was weird. The specials is better than the flash, I will say that. <laughs> All right. So I feel like now we got the worst of out. We're like our techs in reverse. We're emerging out of the swamps of sadness and we are going to get more positive now. We had a question. What was our question that we were going to do in between the worst and the best here? No, nobody. I thought we were going to do just quick favorite moment. It doesn't. Okay. Have to be quick favorite movie. moment. Okay. Just favorite scene. Favorite moment of a movie. Okay. All right. Chelsea Chelsea's got Chelsea it. Chelsea raised her hand. Go ahead. Barry Keegan fucking the dirt. It's so good. It's a powerful scene. Because in that movie, in There's Salt worms Burn. worms in there. In Salt Burn. <laughs> There's worms in that dirt. It, in that There's movie, Salt Burn, people. where Barry Keegan is grieving like nobody I'd ever seen. Um... I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to dig up the corpse and do it. I, I I, was ready for anything, but I love that scene so good. And I love how there's no escape in that scene. You know, there's no escape. Just it's one shot, wide shot of it all happening at once. And it's so great. It's, it's, it's a good scene. Can I, can I add one more? Yeah. Uh, when evil lurks, when the dog... <laughs> when the, the dog I would say that's the, mo the, sh the most shocking scene. Yeah, nobody that, prepared for that. I I knew you knew it was coming. It kept panning back back to that big dog, and I was like, I know it's coming, but the just how violent when it is when it comes, I was not prepared for. Mm. Mm. Love it. All right, good. It's a good moment. 
Um, Dan. Dan. Dan's got his hood on now. He he has he has blocked me <laughs> out, I feel like. Dan, um, we we talking good stuff now. Take the hood off. Okay, we're happy now. Um, yeah, we're happy now. <laughs> this this will come up later, but um I think oh, I've got two. Okay, I'm gonna do two real quick. The overhead shot in John Wick 4 when he has the dragon's breath shotgun is awesome. It's it's and so it good. Like, it looks it's like the so video good. game Hotline Miami. Yeah. And that's what it's like taken. It's from. so great. Because I remember it's seeing like this visual thing in like Kill Bill for like 10 seconds. But in John Wick 4, man, oh dude, that seems so good. And then my second one is going to be the mini yellow car scene in Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh! Atwell and Tom Cruise are in the car chase and they're handcuffed and just the the comedy, like when they roll down the thing and then they're in different seats, like every single aspect of the choreography of that movie to make it almost yeah. cartoonish, but it's suspenseful and it's also badass is that scene is just super rewatchable for me because it's so fun. It shows that Tom Cruise is so fucking good at what he does because his facial expressions and his confusion when he realized now he's handcuffed the opposite way and she has to drive. It's so great. Dan, that is such an, like that moment. Yeah. Dan, that is such an underrated moment. It's so yeah. good. Great. And I, it's, that's a, that's a great one. Applause, sir. Applause. Preston. Um, it, to, just to be different, I, I probably mentioned quite a few scenes in John Wick and some of my favorite movies that we'll get to. But uh, two that most pop into my head is um, the the part in the part of the movie in Barbie when they talk about mothers and daughters at at the very end, and just yeah, that that whole sequence where they it just felt like you were you know moving to another part of yourself or something. I don't even know how to articulate it. It just felt like you were just entering something that hasn't been explored before. There've been great movies that have talked about, you know, the mother and daughter relationship. It's just to kind of put it that way and use this footage of people that we've never seen before, but anybody who's watching it can just, instantly relate to it and just kind of feel the emotions i think that was too a very very powerful moment along with the uh, america ferrera uh monologue that they have in it um uh, the second one is uh in godzilla minus one when the theme song comes in for the first time like that was so good yes so good. Yeah, oh so when i hear it i was like oh, are they doing it they're doing yeah. it and i like clapped so I excited that. i love I agree fully with both of yours, Preston's, but I love that yours is literally like like a dichotomy of man. You're like, look, I respect women. Barbie had a great scene, but also it was fucking sick with that giant lizard. <laughs> yep. he, he contains multitude. Yeah, it's so good. I agree with you 100 percent Yeah. That's good. That's All good. Right, Brian. The, no, end, right. the end credits of Oppenheim. <laughs> uh, that was good. Um I, okay, I got four quick ones. All right, the fourth, my, my number four is the the 
very short hell sequence or not even that i think in um in talk to me um when he's banging his head like okay. that scene is just it goes from kind of 40 miles an hour to 200 miles an hour <laughs> is amazing scene that just goes very quick uh into very to to pure horror and i love it um i'm going to say i'm going to indiana jones um I the moment at the end where we realize that Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones gets to be a part of history like that was so heartwarming and amazing out of these five films. I was like, oh, my God, he's part of history. It's what he wanted. I loved that. Um, also, in um, I'm going to say the holdovers, it's a very small moment. But I love it. And I love when sequences and movies make you feel very emotional and then kind of lighten the mood with a very funny moment. Like they did it perfectly in Steel Magnolias. Um, but in the holdovers, it's when they're at the dinner scene at the end and uh, the kid is telling Paul Giamatti, you know, like, I, I'm going to be like my father. And he's like, you're not going to be like your father. You're not your father. You're not that. It's a real, really yeah. endearing yeah. moment. But no then right the after that, world. yeah, uh, Divine comes in to sit at the table. And he's like, stand up for the woman. What? Stand up for the woman, you boar? You cretin? And it's just, oh, it's so good. Like, I love that moment to me is just so, so great. And then probably one of my favorite ones. I mean, there. I think there's three favorites in this movie, but in the movie Air, uh, the scene between Chris Messina and Matt Damon over the phone yelling at each other is fucking that's <laughs> so underrated that the editing in that and what they're saying is so good, but also um, Viola's speech in that movie. And of course, the speech that Matt Damon gives in the boardroom, like those scenes are so good. But like Chris Messina and Matt Damon yelling, it's. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, those are my my four scenes that really stuck out. You're gonna eat my balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna eat my balls. Right. It's good. It's it's very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th those are those are my four from uh, this year. All right. So uh, best of best of the year. Oh my goodness. I mean. I'm Wait, sure second, we're going to have second, second look. We got to do that real fast. Oh, second look. We second can, look. All right. We can rattle these off quick. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, the two that I have, uh, number two is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> I think so many people hated that movie immediately upon release. And it's still very fresh because it just came out just a, a week or two ago. And um, I just feel like it just delivered everything that I really wanted out of it. It was, it just reminded me of like these shitty movies that I watched from the eighties uh, that have, you know, typical villain, typical dialogue and uh, typical storyline and things like that. But I just had a lot of fun with it. And I think a lot of it is just has to deal with uh, one Patrick Wilson, who I think is the best part of the movie and best part of uh, most movies he's in. And uh, Jason Momoa, I, I just find them to be an infectious uh, duo, and I wanted more of that. And it, but it just made me smile. And I think there's some decent action sequences in it. 
Um, I did roll my eyes a lot, but I also just had a lot of joy. So I think it's uh, better than the 36% on Rotten Tomatoes that it currently has. Uh, number two, this one is the most bewildering to me. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it's a movie that I, I, I bet none of y'all have seen. Um, and it's called The Good Mother. It has Hilary Swank in it. And it has uh, Jack Rayner in it. And this movie is very, very tight. It's like 90 minutes. It's a thriller. And it's uh, uh, Hilary Swank plays a detective that's just trying to, you know, just figure out the case of her, her dead son. And Jack Rayner plays the brother of that deceased son. Uh, so Hilary Swank's uh, uh, other son. And <laughs> I uh, found it to be really riveting. I think it, it, it captures a lot. It, it manages to find a way to kind of like fast track uh, characterization. Uh, it makes so kind of like what we're talking about with like Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer has to say so much and there's these little moments that speak volumes. And I think that movie manages to, to do that. And that movie's 21%. It makes no sense to me. I read some of the reviews that were negative and I was like, I don't, it, it just made, I, I don't know how they see that. Uh, I got so much out of it and that movie's in my top 15 or 20. Um, so I, I think it's pretty, pretty good. So. There you okay. Go. Okay. All right. Um, I, you want me to go first, Chelsea, or do you want to go first? This is like a second look, right? Because I think I, I, I think I titled this honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. but you give it a second look. Give it, it's worth. What's worth? A, it's worth a look. Um, let's. Well, what you what do you got? Do? You go first. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I really love Sanctuary with Margaret Margaret Qualley. And Christopher Abbott, um, snappy, horny, very sweet by the end, very very sweet. Um, just it's it's tight, it's great, it's wonderful. All right, um, and theater camp. Oh yeah, theater camp. Was I I loved theater camp. Um, as a theater kid, this felt like simultaneously celebrating myself and making fun of myself at the same time uh i love that i i do want to say uh a, a bunch of people did not like this next movie i'm gonna say i'm gonna say but i do think for the visuals it's great and it probably has one of the best needle drops of the year but the creator yeah it didn't bring anything new but it was beautiful um, and that Radiohead needle drop was nah. amazing. There you go. Um, I'm just picturing Chelsea now, la la la, as a kid with theater with a theater kid. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing right now. Do it, uh, creator. Yeah, the, the the Radiohead song is good. Um, I have two. Uh, these movies don't deserve to be as good as they are but they are and this is why they are get the second look award um saw x jesus christ saw x is amazing and it does not deserve to be good because it is the fucking 10th movie in the franchise and it reinvigorates it reignites the badass that saw once was and like pushes it 
and even explores more greatness to the characters out of 10 movies. It's insane. It's 80% um, on Rotten Tomatoes, so you're not alone. The Saw X, and I think it's the best 4K release of the year. Man, the bonus features on that 4K, there's like two hours worth of shit. It's amazing. Um, the other one I saw with Preston, and I can't believe it. This movie also does not deserve to fucking be good, but it's the best one in the franchise is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Mm. Holy shit. And uh, I would say, like, put this moment in, like, the moment thing we did yeah. last segment of Bumblebee returning to yeah. Mama Say Knock You Out and then doing They Live. I have come here to kick... Jesus Christ, there's not a better scene this year. That yeah. movie is so good. And emotional, it's... What is going on with that? Yeah. What it, with it, man it manages to make the beam in the sky trope, like... Yeah. Fun. Yeah. It, it, it still did it, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. It was That was good. So, Dan, Dan, second yeah. looks. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Great. Yeah, so um, good. Dungeons wait, wait, Chelsea, you're you're muted. Oh, as the little baby turtles. <laughs> yeah. um, Dungeons and Dragons. That movie had no business being as entertaining as it was. That movie was truly funny, and I thought was actually really, really funny. Um, how to blow? I honestly had to take a second look with that because I did not like it the first time, and then I watched the second time. I was like, okay, this is great. Bradley Cooper's best performance of 2023. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> How to how to blow up a pipeline? Uh, didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see. That haven't either. seen I that yet. Okay, all three of you need to go watch that. That is that is a suspenseful movie. Holy cow! Um, the Covenant, just Guy Ritchie ultimate dad movie. It's the Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Holy shit, that movie was so good. It should not have been good. It should not, everything about that movie said it should be shitty. It was so good, and I realize I have a lot. Sorry. Um, the Artifice Girl. Did y'all see that? No, what is that? The guy being interrogated, thinking that he's a pedophile, and there's lots of twists and turns in it about baiting um, molesters and stuff like that. So it's like a criminal. Oh, no. It's it's good. It's, so that's it's, a law movie for Dan. Yeah. Sisu? Okay, so Sisu, I like oh. Sisu for what it's, it is, but there's nothing below no. the surface on that. Nothing there. Nothing there. It's 90 minutes of gore. Watch it. Uh, reality. On HBO, it was oh yes, winner. really great movie. Uh, Sydney Sweeney, not for the reasons she's normally on TV, but they actually turned the actual interrogation of her into a script, and then refilmed exactly what happened as they went to find out. She was the one that leaked all the Pentagon secrets, and it's really, really suspenseful and great. And finally, uh, Equalizer three. I'm telling you, Denzel Washington as old man badass in Equalizer movies are so good. They're so much fun. And in this one, he's in Italy. So it's just beautiful scenery at all times. And he's just killing guys. So sorry, I, I had a bunch. No, that's great. No, I'm glad you did. That's Brian? good. All right. All right. All right. Let's do best of Chelsea. We're starting with you. Wait. Best movies of the year. Wait, should we make a rule? Like if Chelsea says um, for I'm just Chelsea's like my number five is plain. And I'm like, oh, my number three is plain. Yeah. And we can just talk. And yeah, get we can do plan. that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say plain's fucking amazing. It's a great movie. It's not, it's not in my top five. I was just thinking of myself. Like, yeah. Well, I'll just say that. All right. Uh, I, I imagine there's probably going to be some overlap here. Yeah, I, I would say, hey, let 
if Chelsea's number five is my number three or something, just let her say whatever she has to say. And then when we get to ours, we'll be like, ah, and mine yeah. is. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. So I have, I have six, but I'm going to talk about five and six together because they're, they're very alike. Um, so I could not decide because these are both, I love these this year and I told everyone to go watch them. Um, they are talk to me and when evil lurks. I agree. Awesome movies. I haven't said I I thought I saw the best horror film of the year would talk to me. And then I saw When Evil Lurks, and that's the meanest thing I've ever seen. Yep. So do you think in 2023 that horror is still going strong? Oh, absolutely. Great. Cool. Here. Cool. Um, were you going to my four? Yep. Mm -hmm. Barbie. Like, I like it. Unlike You're Obama. I put Barbie on my favorites. <laughs> you should have. Um, no, just Barbie was a joy to watch. Greta Gerwig was a joy to watch. Um, the whole cast was a joy. I just don't think, I don't think any of us thought it would be as emotional as it was or as good as it was. The only thing that I did not like with Barbie was the whole kind of Mattel. Will uh, Ferrell. Yeah. All Will that Ferrell could be stuff cut out. Yeah. That didn't work. Cut that out completely. Everything else was amazing. Is this podcast Kenneth? <laughs> I, th I think the Will Ferrell parts of that movie hold it back from having any shot of actually winning Best Picture. I agree. Yeah. I'm being honest, like if they yeah, took those agree. 20 minutes and put something more emotional or interesting in there, I think it would have a shot. Agreed. Uh, Chell, good one. Yeah. Um. So my number three is Past Lives. Ooh. All right. I mean, I like this movie. It is, it's a slow burn, but uh, it's 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 a very bittersweet movie, right? Good choice. It probably has one of my favorite. I mean, we talked about favorite last scenes, but the whole kind of just like walking back and then walking back alone, um, saying, you know, do you think we're all already together in another life? And just watching this whole thing play out, it was just like you said it's bittersweet it has one of the best scores of the year um it has one of the, be the best performances and i just i don't i it was a joy to watch but also sad it is it's bittersweet it's a one and done for me i don't think i can bring myself to watch it again i should but it's so tough to me for me to do that yeah all right that's number three what's number two so number two is saltburn Oh yeah. Okay. So why? Okay. So I first saw this. This was the first secret screening of Fantastic Fest. Press and, and I wouldn't know. I, I, I know. But okay, so I got introduced to this because Preston had put something on his Instagram that said, This looks like a secret screening at at Fantastic Fest. And I go, Oh my gosh, I, I think it does. Um, Emerald Fennel actually introduced it when we were there. Um, and as someone who graduated high school in 2005, this kind of black comedy, psychological drama with all the, the very Abercrombie, Hollister, Harry Potter, pop culture references, all of the songs that it had in it, um, this is just the one movie that I wanted to be in the middle of Brian and Preston for. 
to hear what they thought about it. And I, I, I just think it's my new favorite Christmas movie. Uh, no, the holdovers takes that new favorite Christmas movie, but it's my new favorite kind of psychological drama thriller. I think Emerald Fennel for all the flack that she gets about her writing. I think she directed the hell out of this. I think everyone's performances are amazing and that's why it's two. That's, that's awesome. Um, number one, number one, number one was poor things. Oh, and you just saw that too, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, coming in at the last second. Yeah. So my number one was poor things. And like Barbie, if Barbie is kind of taking you by the hand and kind of showing you what feminism can be, this is growing up into adulthood. Um, this is a m- very maximalistic, gothic, steampunk, uh, Victorian Frankenstein story of Bella Baxter coming into self-realization, self-actualization. Um, learning that although not all the choices that we make are right, they are still our choices to make. Um, she is my lady of childlike wonder, sexual liberation, She, I think Mary Shelley would have loved this movie. Cool. Uh, I I think so too. I think Emma Stone connecting her physicality, her adult physicality with the infant kind of child brain and watching it catch up is a wonder and a joy. Uh, Yeah. So. So do you you think when I said um, this was your ghost, Lanthimos's uh, boyhood, is that true? I mean, it's more girlhood, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like it. Someone said watching Ferrari and Poor Things is Barbenheimer for people who fuck. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I I loved this. It was rich. It was, there was nothing, there was nothing wrong with this for me. It was, it was so interesting. I'm going to, probably this is going to go into my rotation of like a comfort movie, just like crimson peak is for me um so i i guess that i i i'm comforted by weird victorian gothic shit so is mark ruffalo having his best time in the world in this movie oh absolutely but absolutely but i don't i don't agree with the people saying that mark ruffalo like where did mark ruffalo come from he's always been there he's always been a weird little guy it was just (laughs) he was he could actually he could self-actualize and be the weirdest little guy who says the c word like 30 times what's the c word no i don't want to say it see you (laughs) next tuesday yeah there you go see you next tuesday all right that's a good list hey great list all right uh dan what's that best of list why am i gonna hate it number five is poor things I agree with everything that Chelsea said. Um, So I can't really add anything more than that. I thought, um, I think, I know Brian disagrees, but I think it's unfortunate that Lily Gladstone, they didn't run her in supporting. 
because I think Emma Stone's going to take it from her. Um, I agree. Emma Stone is mm -hmm. such a force in this movie, and Lily Gladstone is amazing in Killers of the Flower Moon, but I don't know. Emma Stone is such a force in Poor Things. So number five is Poor Things. <clears throat> number four is The Killer, because I love The Killer. I loved everything about The Killer. I think it is hilarious. Um, I think people who don't think that it's a comedy are insane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is comedy. His entire monologue in the beginning, that first 20 minutes where he's talking about how what a perfectionist he is and all the things he does. And then he misses. He's yeah. Like, oh, fuck. It's, it's like, like American Psycho. He's so bad at his job, but it, all of his monologues talk about how good he is at, at his job. Um, it has, I think, a top three fight scene of the year in that when he goes to the Florida house and fights the giant guy. Yeah. Um, I think it has a lot of commentary whenever he's sitting on the bench and sees the little boy pointing the toy gun at his mother's head. Just, I think that it is the Tilda Swinton conversation. I just think that it was David Fincher in his bag. And I think that Michael Fassbender deserves more roles. Um, yeah. Like this, more roles like this. Okay. Um, number three is going to be a little movie. I don't know if y'all have heard of it called John Wick Chapter Four. Yes. It I saw this movie three times in the theater. Um, it's just it is it's so tough to explain to people why you love a guy who had his dog killed four movies ago is still so entertaining. But you know, <laughs> Preston, Preston has had the chance to interview all the creators behind it. Um, and the things that they do to keep the momentum going, the action, the set pieces, it goes from a Looney Tunes type atmosphere to like some of the most visceral badass things you've ever seen to kind of being corny, to being really serious, to being political, uh, everything about it. I can turn it on at any moment and watch it from that moment and be like, oh, we're three minutes away from one of the coolest things that I've seen on screen and I used to joke that uh, Mad Max Fury Road was the best picture um, until something comes along and is better than it. And I'm not saying John Wick 4 is better than Mad Max Fury Road, but I feel like John Wick Chapter 4 is in the same vein of they were doing something at such a level that anyone who just doesn't res at least respect the amount of creativity put into this movie is an insane person. You can be like, I don't like action movies, but the stuff they do in this is amazing. And I hope that more movies take note of what you can do without CGI. It's um, a perfect movie. It's not in my top five, but it is in my top yeah. 10. Yeah. Um, number two is a little movie called The Holdovers. Um, I love The Holdovers. Uh, I thought it was touching. I, I think if Killian Murphy didn't exist um this year that paul giamatti would run away with it but i also wouldn't be shocked if paul giamatti stole the award from him because paul giamatti is campaigning like a mofo right now like he's doing ask me anything on the internet and killian mm -hmm. murphy is doing doing what he should do is being a little he's singing for his supper yeah yeah he is. so but i it would not upset me this is one of those times where i think killian murphy what he did in oppenheimer was better than paul giamatti what he did in but it's such a fine line that I won't be upset if Paul Giamatti takes it. And this movie, just from, it's funny, it's touching, 
Um, it's super sad at moments. And I just think it at the end of the day, it's a feel good movie. When you put it all together somehow, it made me feel good, regardless of all the tragedy that's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is a is a tie because I'm a cheater. Um, number one is Oppenheimer and uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We've talked about Oppenheimer at length. But um, so I'm not I'm just not even going to bother with that. But I'm watching Brian's brain in real time. Say, how can you say Oppenheimer is great, but can appreciate the Spider-Man across the the Spider-Verse is a younger generations. I feel like it's going to be like their um, Empire Strikes Back or something like that. It is such a taking all of the magic and like kind of happy-go-luckiness of the first one and putting it into like there's stuff about there's themes about family growing up like just from a thematic level it is so insane to me that they weave it through together and then still have the time to have the spider-man world where there is a thing called peter parked car and it's a car that's painted like spider-man and just honks at you for a throwaway gag and i think the voice work is some of the best voice work i've seen in an animated movie ever the score is incredible. The needle drops are incredible. And I just think it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. And I would argue it might be the, um, right now, the best superhero series that's ever been made, depending on how they land the plane with the third one. But I just, it's a flawless animated movie. It's happy, funny. You can cry, like teary eyed in it. Like it's so mm-hmm. magical. So those were, those were my six. Cause I tied two. <laughs> Spider-Verse is amazing. It is yeah. so good. That sequel is so good. I agree with you there. Who's going to go next? Preston? Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm finding it to be increasingly harder to rank movies nowadays. I I kind of do away with it entirely. Like when I release my top of the year they're just going to be in alphabetical order. I, I just don't like assigning rankings to it. So essentially all these movies that I put in here and a lot of the movies that y'all have already mentioned that are not technically, I guess, in my top five, but they're, they're just there. Like they exist for me. They, they had an impact and um, uh, like Oppenheimer, past lives, uh, deepest breath, wildlife guardians three. I loved, um, so yeah, there's just a lot to mention and I want to give them their time to shine. But uh, I guess if I had to try to do something, that's just my current mood right now. As any f- professional film critic knows, like they'll look at their list, go- look back at their list later, sometimes even a week later and where they are just change based off of mood. Uh, that That's pretty much, uh, we'll get to that with my number two pick. But uh, with number five, I'll start with Ben Affleck's Air. I've watched that movie, I don't know, maybe eight times this year. Like, it's just on. Like, I just put it on because I find it funny. I find it well made. I love the character work. We already talked about some of those scenes of uh, that, that it has that are just uh, well done. The editing, like Brian mentioned, they're in the needle drops. It just captures a feeling, not a time that I was alive during, but uh, a lot of time, a time that I have much admiration for. And I and I um, feel like I have a pretty good sense of what it was like. Um, I just feel like it's it's a great hangout movie. I 
I feel like there are a few films that really nail like what it is to be like in marketing. And I feel like that movie does it very well. Probably all the reasons um, or it succeeds in all the areas that Tetris does not. Tetris is a very similar vibe to this. Uh, Blackberry is another film that kind of does that. And also very good. Uh, would love to mention it here, but it's not quite there for me. Um, but air, I, I really hope it just manages to find a way to sneak in there somewhere. Um, I, I feel like it deserves so much more than what, um, it's currently, you know, where it exists in the awards race right now. <clears throat> Number four is Saltburn. Uh, For all the reasons we've already explained and uh, we'll continue to talk about, uh, it's kind of hard for me to even put it down where it is, uh, number four spot. Um, it, but it's just a movie that just really just is so daring. Um, I think about it constantly, whether it's like certain moments in the film, performances, uh, just the, the mood of it. The, the writing, what's in the background, how it's shot. Um, there, there's just so much to discuss with that film. And I'm glad that it's, you know, been number one on Prime Video right now. Um, it's exciting to see all these uh, fun memes and uh, reaction videos and things like that. Uh, it's something that we've been discussing for some time uh, now, but now that it's kind of gone wider and more people have seen it, it's, it's just a, it's just a joy that uh, Emerald Fennell just continues to um, do great work. And I um, just really applaud what she accomplishes in that film. Um, so yeah, I think that one's pretty great. Uh, number three is uh, John Wick chapter four. Um, I also, would love to put this in my number one spot. Uh, maybe it's just a three-way tie <laughs> with my top three picks. Um, that movie, I think I've also watched maybe eight or 10 times this year. I also put, just put it on. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of reasons to rewatch it for the interviews that I did, but uh, I would have watched it anyway. I think uh, what Dan said about like, just saying that's in the same realm of Mad Max Free Road, it's just, a fucking incredible action film uh, that just, you know, starts and never stops um, until it's over. Um, and it was just a very beautiful conclusion to the John Wick series, if that's where it's going to end. And I think they should. Um, but it's a very meaningful movie to this podcast. We try to find a way to mention it. And, and so here it is. We're mentioning it because it's great. Uh, number two is All of Us Strangers. Uh, this movie tackles a, a, a few things that have been dealt have been also been tackled before in other films, but I find it even in the, it involves some twists and things like that uh, that maybe some people can see coming. Uh, but even though you may see it coming, I think it just finds this kind of beautiful, like literature like, like I can just, I know it's based on a true, uh, a book, um, but also the, the life um, or just some experiences that the filmmaker Andrew High has had in his life. Um, and I just find it to, it, it's a very meaningful movie for me right at this moment um, because I, lost uh, one of my best friends uh, 
my dog two two days two days ago and uh uh it just articulates the grieving process uh really well um my wife and i just had like really beautiful i watched it again yesterday because i wanted to go through the experience again and and uh feel go just feel those emotions and, and just feel like I'm not alone with it because I, I've never I've had you know family members pass and um other dogs in my life but my dog that I that I had was just everything to me we were inseparable she was always here and so I think anybody who loses someone they fantasize what it would be like if they were still around. Cause you, you, you may have private conversations, you know, like, like just within your head. And, and I'm kind of doing that now, like any moment that I have alone, like I'm talking to my dog as if there, uh, they were a person that could comprehend everything that I was saying. Um, but I talked to like that to my dog, even when my dog was here. Um, So yeah, this movie does nothing to do with dogs, but it just talks about like losing your parents or losing somebody that's important to you and having a very difficult time uh, moving on. Um, uh, my wife spoke about like these different stages of grief and uh, like there's, there's some people who like, you know, move on too quickly and then they, you know, it comes up later as it does for the character Adam. Uh, um, in this film uh, and uh, has a very difficult time um, letting go and being able to move on. And so, um, and I also think that this movie just deals with, um, has ambu like deal, uh, explores ambiguity, like just has ambiguity in it and it does it right for me. I think it, um, There, there are some things, especially when you get to the end, that are like left up uh, to interpretation. And I have my own reading on the film that would probably uh, uh, spoil things. So I'll, I'll refrain from speaking about it. But uh, when it gets to some of those twists and everything and all is revealed, I find it to be a very beautiful thing to just kind of have, have like a healthy relationship with yourself during the grieving process and, and just... Um, I just feel like it really articulated well what what that that whole thing is like and it had the most rawest moments of human emotion that I've seen in quite some time whether it's like a you know a conversation between a father and son about like why they, they the characters challenge each other in very unique ways and I feel like um hot priest from Fleabag Andrew is I know a lot of people are talking about Zac Efron in uh, Iron Claw, but I think that Andrew's performance in this film manages to pull off some of the same emotions that Zac Efron does. I know the physical performance is entirely different and that gives it kind of some, uh, gives it a higher platform to stand upon. But I think the emotions and especially like the last line of Iron Claw that we could talk about I feel like he has a couple of moments like that, that just kind of pierce your heart and kind of speak to your soul. So that was a big movie for me that um, 
explored uh like fant like it just felt like a fantasy and like these kind of dreamlike things and i loved it um so all of us strangers uh number one the holdovers um we've we, we've already mentioned all the great things about it but above all i just think it's just an incredible hangout movie like i can just throw it on and it can make me feel good so all of us strangers can just you know open me up emotionally while you know holdovers can just like bring it back close and, and, and hold me and hug me at the end of it. So uh, yeah, the holdovers. Holdovers number one. All right. That was a uh, very beautifully said Preston. Um, Yeah. I, I, I actually watched uh, all of us strangers for the first time last night and I did enjoy it. Where's your joke, big guy? Huh? Where's your joke? Oh, the joke. The, oh, the joke about the, you're all I was so entranced with Preston's I know, Preston's thing was beautiful. I was gonna be like, oh, you're gonna make your all of a strangers joke. Not so tough anymore, are you, Mr. <laughs> no, never, he never is. No, I, I'll say it right now. Yeah. So after I watched it, my my thought is I'll preface this by saying, Preston, I did enjoy the movie. I did enjoy it. I uh, like more than I thought I would. But my thing was, wait, did somebody just remake a British emo gay version of the sixth sense. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I like the movie though. I, and it was one of the movies in the year that I did not know where it was going at first, but I'm really happy it went there. And I will agree with you on the performance. It was stunning. Andrew Scott needs an the what? Dan, have you seen it yet? Not okay. out near me. So. Andrew Scott needs a nomination, and yeah. I would not be mad if Jamie Bell got one as well. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It was a. It's a good movie. All right. Um, but yeah, that's when I thought about it. I was like, wait, is this the? <laughs> and I put it in B E G S S. So good stuff, Preston. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> um. Pretty much all of mine have been said already. I will put like my my number six uh, is Society of the Snow. Um, if y'all haven't seen that on Netflix, Jay Bayona. Huh? Currently watching it. I didn't get to. Oh, you haven't it. finished it yet? It's it's amazing. That movie is beyond great. It's so good. Um that is the society of the snows, the like kind of like the remake of that movie alive about the, the sports team that crashed in the Andes and survived several months during the winter there. Uh, but going up the list, um, four things. Number five, all the reasons y'all said it's unbelievably good. Um, number four, John wick Four. How in the world, like Dan said, when a guy's dog dying just does what everybody wants to do in real life, but can't, is kill everyone for four movies. Uh, it's amazing. It's so good. Number three is Air. I think it's an underrated movie. I think this has best performances editing story like it's just we all know the story it's just it's so well done and put together and it's ben affleck at his best uh number two holdovers damn this is a sweet fucking movie i love it it's a movie that i can have on at any time like i will never get tired of watching the holdovers ever 
and I guess like Green Mile and Shawshank when you just when it's on TV even though we all kind of stream nowadays and don't watch cable but if that scenario existed for anyone I feel like it could just be on and we'll just like watch watch it wherever Right. it is Yeah, it's it's great. Um, holdovers, wonderful characters, P characters I want to live with, um, basically. Um, Can I guess your number one? you can guess my number one. Is it, is it, is it often? It's Saltburn. It is Saltburn. <laughs> Very much Saltburn. I feel like I closely relate to um, Oliver um, in life. I just... I feel like I just bond with that character so much. Uh, I just think everything about this movie is perfect on every level. Dan has his checklist. I have my checklist and all the boxes were checked for Saltburn. It's my type of movie uh, there. It's I, I think my first reaction to the seeing the movie was like, did Emerald Fennel change her name to Emerald Kubrick Fennel? Like, it's just it's a perfect fucking movie. Um And I think it's on par with anything Stanley Kubrick does, uh, which is, a, I'm not saying that lightly, but Saltburn, man, that's a movie I can watch. Needle Drops, I don't think there's a better, better needle drop than Murder on the Dance Floor. It's a goddamn great song to end the movie. Uh, but yeah, Saltburn, I, I think these, it's a good year for movies, I think, right? Yeah. All right. To, to, to round this out uh, bonus question Oh no. if you can Oh. assign if you could if you can gift or assign a movie from this year that is the embodim embodiment of one of us what movie would you gift or like assign to somebody You're Rebel Moon. <laughs> why am i a rebel moon You just <laughs> are. I'm, ass You're Oppenheimer. I'm assembling a team together <laughs> or is it just like you hated it <laughs> I feel like I feel like Dan is John Wick 4, Preston yeah is past lives. I don't know what I would be. Maybe poor things. yeah i think poor things is accurate for you and then brian called it i mean it, it says something that our number one picks are within that area is is so, says a lot about who we are so i think salt burn is even when i was watching i was like this movie is made for brian Yeah, the yeah see very though. Like, see, I think like Megan is Chelsea, and like the Meg two is Dan. yeah i'll take that <laughs> I, He's real you know excited. what i loved megan so i'll take I did that too. as well I did too. absolutely I like that. And what is Preston? Oh my god, what would I gift Preston? Mm, I don't know yet. Chelsea, it really killed me not to put past lives and in, 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 it's just like, like I said, it's all in there. Um, but yeah, that, that movie was amazing. It is. It is a. It is a great movie. If if we did like a top ten, top fifteen, then that would all go in there. But yeah. Good year movie. Oh yeah, it would all be the same things. But Brian, yeah, you this. should say I'm I'm Peter Pan and Wendy. <laughs> None of us had Godzilla minus one. So I I I did like look at look at this look at this Godzilla minus one, um. But I Society of the Snowman is I think is better than Godzilla minus one. Um, I love Godzilla minus one, but. Yeah, Yeah, the yeah. I'm you not gonna be I'm not gonna be pressured by the internet nerds to tell me that yeah. has to be my number one movie. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um
Fear and Loathing in Cinema. This is our last show of 2023. We'll be back in 2024 with more great movies to bring you. Um, I'm glad you stayed with us this long. We had a good time. We had some laughs. We got we yelled at each other. <laughs> Dan, do do we have we grown closer together or did we just blow apart? No, I, I love I love you, Brian. I just I, it, the fact that you are so have such strong opinions makes me like you even more. OK, good, good, good. It's, I love it's it. Like, it's like having the crazy drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. Instead of <laughs> politics, you're just yelling at Oppenheimer. It looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of order. And we, just have to like, that? and we just have to be like, we can't put him at the kids table because then he'll convert them into something that we don't want them to <laughs> indeed indeed oh it's so good all right um fear and loathing in cinema thank you so guy so much everyone uh it's been a wonderful year it's a it's a year in the podcast where we brought in extra people such as chelsea very thankful for you to round out this uh this toxic male podcast <laughs> it's a wiener fest it's a wiener fest. Uh, and Preston is... What are you talking about? You got the biggest dick of us all. Yeah, well, there he is! <laughs> that was Brian and me. That was Brian. Yeah. See? See? Got him. <laughs> He's a disease. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, we're we're happy. Well, Dan and I have come a long way since Speed 2 on this podcast. Okay. That movie it is. still rips. Yeah, we, Willem Dafoe yeah. in that movie and Willem Dafoe in Poor Things. It's come full circle. Yeah, we we have Congo to think. Yeah, we have Congo to <laughs> think. That is crazy. I love Congo. That was our yeah. It's so good. That's Bruce Campbell. Um. So yeah, thank you all. Fear and Loathing in Cinema. We'll be back uh, after the new year with more good things. Um, Press and where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram under Blu-ray Dad and Twitter, Preston Barda. Uh, you can find my writing, interviews, and all that stuff on FreshFiction.tv and DittonRC.com. I'll be releasing my top-of-the-year list in written form uh, that go beyond the top five uh, pretty soon, maybe today. So Very by good. the time this podcast is out. Hell yeah. Dan, where can they find you? Fear and Loathing in Cinema Instagram. I will be putting together a lovely little collage of each one of our favorite five movies that we put on there, or six if some of us cheated. Um, I already posted something funny about our reactions talking about Oppenheimer with Brian. That is up live right now. So, And Dan, um, you usually write something for Boomstick about your best of year. Are you going to do that this year? It's going to take it off. He wants to... Since you asked me, yes, I will. Please do. That'd be awesome. Uh, Chelsea, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter as Miss underscore Tenenbaum and Chelsea Nico, Chelsea Nico everywhere else. And also under your bed with a knife. <laughs> um, are you going to write? She's, uh, in, she's in the big pile of dirt. And she is. She's, she's coming out of that. Um, I'm in the bathtub. That's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> are, uh, are you going to write your top five for Boomstick? Or your top ten? Yeah, I'll go now beyond that five. Yeah, now do top you, 10, top 15. Yeah. Now that you asked so nicely, yes. Please do. It'll be awesome. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger, of course, Fear and Loathing and Cinema Podcast. Check Preston and I out talking horror movies on my bloody podcast. Check Susan and I out on No BS with Brian and Susan. And 
hear Susan calm me down like a child when I get angry. Um, also, I'm Brian Kluger everywhere else on social media. And you can find me at highdefdigest.com and boomstickcomics.com. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye.